Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, what will be the big issues as the second week of the campaign begins? No major gas from, from any leader. It looks like the leaders have run a pretty smooth uh, campaign. It's been really interesting to look at where they're going. And most of the places they've headed are kind of interesting. So the Liberals are going places where they want to shore up uh, support, but also where they want to pick off these uh, these seats from their opponents to try and get to that majority number. Aaron O'Toole promises to treat drug addiction as a health issue rather than a crime. As Prime Minister, I will treat the opioid epidemic as the health crisis that it is. That means that our focus should be on helping people with addictions, helping them get the help they need to recover. And Canada ramps up efforts to get allies out of Afghanistan. Flights have resumed. Our armed forces are back on the ground, coordinating closely with our coalition partners, and boarding passengers are as quickly and as safely as possible. It's Monday, August the 23rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories from the campaign trail this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. So let's talk about the beginning of week two of this campaign and and what you're observing. Uh, uh, We can reflect on week one. We can talk about where we go from here. But what are some of your observations uh, after a week of what will end up being a five-week campaign? So we're we're 20% into uh, vote 2021. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the last, uh, the first sort of eight days of the campaign, on the whole, uh, it looks like there have been no major gas from, from any leader. It looks like the leaders have run a pretty smooth uh, campaign. It's been really interesting to look at where they're going. It, you know, in, in most of the places they've headed are kind of interesting. So the, the Liberals are going places where they want to shore up uh, support, but also where they want to pick off these uh, these seats from their opponents to try and get to that majority number. Uh, the Conservatives, uh, a little bit of both. Uh, and then I think it's, you know, trying to hold hold seats and, and look at possibly uh, winning new seats uh, in different regions. And New Democrats, largely on the offensive, going into ridings, they're going to try and win back or win away from uh, mostly liberals, um, you know, and uh, conservatives in, in parts of British Columbia. So New Democrats seem to feel pretty good about where they are uh, to the point where they're, you know, and that could change during the campaign. They're not trying to save seats right now. They're trying to win additional seats. So that's been interesting to watch. And I think there's, um, you know, it's been pretty interesting to watch, you know, the fact that the Tories got the camp, you know, their platform out early, the NDP got their platform out early. So they've got a bit of momentum in terms of, of the ideas game. And the Liberals are, not that the Liberals aren't talking about uh, what else they would do and different things they would do and, and the more spending they would bring to the table, but they haven't put it all together in a platform yet. There's lots of talk that they're going to wait till just before the, the leaders' debates to do that so that when Canadians are focused, they'll, uh, the debate will make sense. They, they'll be able to highlight their ideas. But I think on the whole, week one has, has been you know beneficial. There's been some sniping, but there's also been a, a, a lot of meat, I think, in the conversation of housing and affordability and long-term care homes. So, you know, it, it's a early in the campaign and probably not that many Canadians are paying attention yet, but uh, it, it's off to the kind of start where it makes you think if they continue this conversation around what Canada looks like after the pandemic and what happens if we get a, a bad fourth wave, I think it's serving the country pretty well so far. And before we talk about some of those media issues, the policy issues, I want to talk a little bit more about the timing of where we are, because I, I think it's fair to say most 
most observers I've spoken to and, and columnists I've read have said that the first week has gone better for Aaron O'Toole and Jugmeet Singh than expected and probably worse for for Justin Trudeau than expected. Uh, but it is early and a lot of Canadians won't start paying attention until later in this campaign, after Labor Day, after the debates. Um, and we've seen lots of campaigns that have started out one way and finished another, right? Sure. And you, you always look at where the bar is set when the writ, you know, when, when the election's launched. And so, you know, how many Canadians knew and know Aaron O'Toole? Uh, what were the expectations of Aaron O'Toole? Well, one of the things they did well was to basically wait a day and then put a platform in front of Canadians. So it's not just about who's Aaron O'Toole um, and, and concerns about what he'd stand for, where he'd take the country. Well, he's put it on paper and put it out there. So, you know, and Jagmeet Singh's had a, as I said, had a good first week. And so when when we talk about, well, who had the better week and it's been a, a rocky launch uh, for the Liberals, I think a lot of that you look at sort of contrasts and, uh, you know, a better than expected week for the two other, or the two opposition leaders, the two main opposition leaders, uh, you know, looks sort of by definition as a, a less than great week for the for the prime minister that everybody's going after. So, it is early days, and but I think it's important to note that it's important to note that uh, the two main, you know, the two well, you know, the Bloc Québécois, another opposition party in Parliament, but in terms of the two national opposition parties, uh, they're out of the gate by most accounts and most observers uh, assessments uh, doing better than a lot of people expected so can that be sustained and can Justin Trudeau respond to that let's watch what happens in the next uh, number of weeks all right let's talk about uh, the issues that have that have come up Um, and first of all on the issue of the pandemic and the recovery from the pandemic what's interesting I think so far is there's not a lot of daylight between the different parties on how to move forward from here. We don't have one party saying we're going to start to make cuts to bring uh, the budget back under control and, and other parties saying they're conti- going to continue spending. Uh, there is a lot of emphasis on spending and job creation and recovery. And so does that mean that potentially this election could end up being about something else other than how to recover from the pandemic? Well, I think it all goes together. I think it's, you know, it's. I, I'm thinking it's more likely to be, uh, there will be a focus on how, not so much how we recover from the pandemic, but what, you know, this whole notion of, of um, you know, a change in, in the way the country works after the pandemic, using the pandemic as a, um, you know, an opportunity, I suppose, uh, you know, difficult as it's been to say, okay, if we're here and, we're spending uh, to move, you know, to keep the country whole and to try try and move forward for it. What is that spending? Where should it go? What does it look like? And I think your point's right in terms of, you know, everybody's ready to spend money. All of these parties are ready to spend money. And, you know, the NDP theme is, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we have some similarity in our policies with the Liberals, but you can't trust them. They won't follow through. Uh, we're the people that, you know, will promise you pharmacare and give you pharmacare. So there's, you know, there's the political rhetoric that goes with it and the challenges around who will actually deliver. But Aaron O'Toole's put a lot of money on the table to rebuild the country in, in the way he sees with, with, you know, they've all got ideas about uh, what to do about affordable housing, how to 
deal with uh, with housing issues in the country, how to deal with poverty issues. Aaron O'Toole was out on the weekend, uh, which I think had a lot of people paying attention, saying, you know, addiction should be treated as a as a health issue, not a crime and justice issue. And a lot of people will look uh, back to the Stephen Harper years and say, you know, there was a lot of that as well. But then there were mandatory minimums and. Uh, you know some some uh, harsh dealings with people who ran afoul of the law, but this is Aaron O'Toole's effort to pull, you know, pull the party to the middle. And again, I want to see what we get from uh, the Liberals in terms of, of some real meat on these bones they've talked about in terms of uh, their ideas for uh, a different vision of Canada moving forward. But uh, yeah, no, there's, it's not like you can say over here this party wants to do this and spend and deal with social equity and deal with affordable housing. And these guys over here want to do nothing. We're not seeing that. Yeah, and what about Aaron O'Toole's efforts to take the party to the middle? Much has been said and written, of course, about the fact that that's not where he ran for the leadership. And he's even acknowledged that there will be rank-and-file members of the party, maybe even some members of the caucus who are not happy with where he stands on carbon pricing. Um, it, there's There's been a lot of talk about Aaron O'Toole's leadership and whether he's holding the party together. Uh, I guess good results are, are always a great way to do that. Um, but but is he is he facing some risk in all of this? Uh, yeah, but I, don't, I think it's it's risk. He uh, I think it's risk. He knew would come his way. He knew by, you know, um, he had to know uh, by taking the position he took to win the party leadership and then well, you know, uh, then pivoting uh, after the party leadership and trying to pull people along with him. You know, Mark, uh, you know, success is a, is a wonderful tonic for dissent. And if Aaron O'Toole starts to climb in, in the polls and starts to uh, really catch on with Canadians, and it looks like we have a, a real race in this campaign, uh, we've seen this before. Um, Stephen Harper brought the party with him, uh, and he did it over successive elections until he finally won a a majority government. He pulled the party with him, and then he ended up pulling Canadians with him uh, for the time that he was prime minister. So Aaron O'Toole, I think, looks at that and sees a, a path to how this can work, is that you have to you know, catch on with Canadians first, and then the party comes with you. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, and we've seen that as recently as with Andrew Scheer, if, if, if it doesn't work out, and you, know, you have the dissent builds in the party, and you don't have a response for it, uh, and you're you're not enjoying wonderful success, uh, then it's a problem. But if he pulls the country along and he starts to go up during the campaign uh, in the polls and his ideas catch on with Canadians, I think you'll you'll hear uh, the dissenting voices in the party start to go quiet quickly. Yeah. And and Peter, just some final thoughts, if you will, on the situation in Afghanistan. This is less a, a campaign issue and more an issue of the government's responsibilities and and efforts in this area. But uh, there are planes that are helping to get people out of Afghanistan right now. Just give us your sense of the latest on that. Yeah, I I would say it's not, you know, I would say it is a campaign issue, uh, not one of those everyday issues that you want to hear talked about uh, for what happens to the country beyond Afghanistan. But it has... The crisis has clearly injected itself uh, into the campaign, and the government's handling of it is, uh, is uh, uh, to this point, still a significant campaign event because 
they can't escape it on the campaign trail. Um, the Prime Minister gets asked about it all the time. Uh, the Liberal leader gets asked about it all the time. His ministers are asked about it all the time. They're being accused of uh, short-shifting uh, the Afghan crisis, wildfires in British Columbia, the pandemic response, all in the name of a campaign that opposition parties say never should have been called. So it's there. Uh, the, the tempo of evacuation flights is ramping up. So I think I'm watching the next week or so uh, to see if, if the government gets a grip uh, of this crisis and it really starts to uh, look like it's it's on its way to uh, living up to its word to get people out and finding a way to do it um, almost at any cost. Uh, they'll they'll push through it. Um, if it uh, it goes sideways and there continue to be complications and those evacuation flights and the prime minister's alluded to this, or Justin Trudeau, the Liberal leader, has alluded to this that it's uh, getting harder and harder to get people to the airport because of Taliban checkpoints and so on. Uh, there's a lot that could go wrong yeah. uh, with with this issue, and uh, it would be a problem for the government during the campaign if it continues to be a daily issue as they're trying to get Canadians to focus on other things. All right, Peter, we will see what week two brings. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right, Mark, always a pleasure. See you soon. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. For the last six months, when we knew the pullout was coming, the Trudeau government did nothing until a few days before an election. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears argues Afghanistan will likely play a significant role in the outcome of the federal election. Sears writes... This is beginning to look like an opportunity for Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh to use this disaster as a wedge to attack the Trudeau government's international relations record more broadly. Few Canadians will choose their next prime minister on the basis of their international chops. But in Trudeau's case, the wrenching Afghan coverage and these accumulated policy failures add more proof of the gap between his performance on stage and his performance on the job. In the Ottawa Citizen... Corey Levine argues we need to act quickly to salvage what we can from our 20-year engagement in Afghanistan. Levine writes, Canada has invested more than $3.5 billion in humanitarian aid and development funding in Afghanistan. And now it appears we are simply walking away from that investment, leaving women's rights advocates, journalists, human rights defenders civil society activists, illiterate female entrepreneurs, and others to whom we committed financial and human resources to their own defenses. In McLean's, Philippe J. Fournier argues the Liberals have stumbled out of the gate. Fournier writes, How could one explain why the Liberals came out so flat in week one? A Liberal optimist would argue they may be keeping their best game for when more Canadians come back from vacations and begin following the campaign more closely. While it is generally true that it's better to finish strong than to start strong, the first weeks of a campaign can set the tone for what follows. One should never underestimate the importance of momentum in politics. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will make an announcement in Halifax before visiting St. John's. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make an announcement in Ottawa. He will also hold virtual town halls with residents of Ontario and Manitoba. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will make an announcement and visit local businesses in Montreal. Green Party leader Annamie Paul will make an announcement and canvass with a candidate in Toronto. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Trois-Rivières and another in Montreal. 
And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, August the 23rd. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day for coverage of the federal election. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.